0: Kindling Helpline is brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams. When your little one needs to be brave, Emla is there to ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests, and of course use only as directed. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. She has over 30 years experience helping families around the country and she comes in every Monday to answer your questions. This is your time to speak with her. It might be anything from newborn questions... There's so many questions with newborns to toddler tantrums and more combinations of all of the above. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. If you've got a question for Chris, you can email us. It's conversation at Kindling.com.au. You can call us on one Kids Radio. Or if you're watching us through Facebook Live, you can pop a little comment underneath and we will try to get it to you to it today. Let's start with a question from Kelly. The problem I have is very taxing. My 13-month-old daughter is exceptionally clingy and gets frustrated easily and then throws back, which I guess means arches her back. Yep. Um which makes it very dangerous to leave her. She cries a lot. She cries when I step away from her and she can still see me. She's only happy when I'm holding her. She gets frustrated at everything within a very short space of time and then cries and does a huge throwback. And I'm genuinely worried about her safety as she hits her head on the ground. And I'm so worried. I'm also worried that this may be indicative of something else, but not sure what I'm at my wits end. That's from Kelly.
1: Kelly, it can be really difficult when you've got a baby who at the moment seems quite needy. So if we assume that this behaviour is generally normal but not constant, so the abnormal part is that it seems constant, then um, we can give you some structure about how to help her. So the bit that we don't have here is how much she sleeps because those behaviours can be partly due to a very overtired child could be partly to a child where things might be going on in your lives that are chaotic so they're unsure about what's going to happen so they want to stay close to the person who's giving them care Um, so that little bit more information but how we solve the problem and this is the really tough bit is an awful lot of patience an awful lot of patience so what we do is take the one where she wants to be held all the time because that gives her a sense of security is the way we would revert this is slow everything down and keep her close. So get down on her level, play on her level, talk to her on her level, so that she's not always looking up to you. And that might allow her to be more comfortable being down and beside you. So we're not sure if she's a walker or not a walker, but she's probably pulling at least pulling to stand. And so she's pulling to stand and then maybe with her arms up. So getting down on her level might help and taking things a lot slower. So we see this behavior when they're overtired. So she's 13 months, so hopefully she's getting a good two and a half, three hours of sleep within the day, whether that's still as two sleeps or one sleep, and that she's sleeping quite well for you at night. So if that's the factor, if the factor for why this behaviour is going is that maybe she's a bit overtired, then start working on that sleep behaviour, because once the sleep behaviour happens, then generally this will settle down it could be something that it's a busy household you know so you might be at work and there's daycare drop-offs and pickups and they're just not getting what they feel is enough so again that comes to maybe trying to pick them up earlier from from daycare spending a little bit more time with them slowing everything down for her and reassuring her and these behaviors will generally speaking go away so then the big one is the one that you're most concerned about is the fact that she flings herself backwards, probably within the tantrum, she flings herself backwards. So creating a safe space that she's able to do that. If you think she's going to do that, then picking her up and maybe putting her in the cot until the tantrum calms down would at least be a safe space for her to do that in. And then you're not concerned about whether she's going to hit the edge of a table or hit the floor in the wrong angle and 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 it's a really dramatic thing because you're saving her from doing that because you don't want to hurt herself but inadvertently she gets the attention that she may or may not be looking for. So creating the safe safe place for that might also happen. And Kelly, maybe if
0: you want to write to us again this week and give us a few more details. Yeah. So what it Chris might
1: was give talking us a bit of an idea.
0: Yeah, maybe um, write and let us yeah. know how she's sleeping, how she's eating. Yeah. And if there is anything else going on in your for house her life, that might yeah, in her life. And also tell us about childcare because then
1: yeah.
0: Chris can give you a bit more um, yep. guidance in terms of what you're dealing with. Yeah. This question comes from Sally. Um, My six-month-old Ted is work- waking at 4.30 a.m. at the moment. Help! We put him oh. down at 7 p.m.-ish and he has a dream feed at 10 p.m. Should I push back bedtime? No.
1: Um, no, Sally. No, no, Sally. Don't push back bedtime. It's the 4am that we're fixing. At six ooh, months wait, of age... Oh, there's more. There's more. Love an update. Thanks, Sally. <laughs> Thanks. Nice to know you're
0: with us at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, I try to breastfeed him between 5.30 and 6.30pm before bed. Bath is between 6 and 6.30pm 6. too.
1: Okay, you need to change those two things around. So we do the bath first at 5.36 and we do the breastfeed at 6.30. So if we look at a six-month-old, he should have four milk feeds and at least two meals. And I personally would drop the dream feed. Is that a breastfeed or is it a bottle? And wait for him to wake because he might go longer in the night, wake for the feed, feed more effectively and sleep past the 4.30 window. Um, So generally, I think I'd flip the two around. He should have about two to two and a half tablespoons of food for his breakfast and his dinner. And then move your breastfeed closer to the 6.30 window. So dinner around 4.30, you know, breastfeed around 6.30. You don't need to breastfeed him to sleep. You can breastfeed him, then take him and put him in his, you know, sleeping bag and then put him to bed. And I would drop the dream feed and see if he wakes up later. So wakes up around one, feeds really effectively at one, and that skips him through that 4.30 because it's reasonable that if he fed at 10 and it's now 4.30, that's six and a half hours, that he's probably awake because he's hungry because he hasn't fed properly at 10 o'clock. And this is a common problem that happens with the dream feed and especially around this age group. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds so let's like see something. if that might help you
0: seems like that little tweak might work. Well, Sally, if it doesn't work, you You can make sure you get back to to us. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Megan says, my three-month-old constantly has his fist in his mouth. I'm sure it's not hunger-related. I've read that it may be a way to self-soothe. If so, would you recommend a love to dream sleeping bag that allows him to access his hands? He currently sleeps in a cocoon with his arms across his sh- his chest. I'm wary of his little hands distracting him from his
1: sleep. Megan, this is a really common thing, seeing the hands go to the mouth at about three months. It starts at three months. It usually goes till six months. So it's a developmental stage in babies. And people constantly tell me that their babies are teething because they're doing this. So they put their hands to the mouth because they control more movement now. They can get their hand to their mouth and then they suck. And For some babies, they do soothe themselves. And for other babies, it really agitates them. So whether he goes in a love to dream or an ergo or whatever the version of it is, if you actually feel that that is giving him comfort and he's drifting off to sleep on his own, then you can certainly go ahead and put him into something that allows him to bring his hand to his mouth. But generally speaking, at this age, they will still sleep better if their hands are away from their mouth. So I would probably hesitate and work out what he's doing. So if he's bringing his hands up while he's on the floor, sucking his fingers, they try and get their whole fist in there. But sometimes <laughs> they get their fingers stuck and lots of dribble because it's moving the saliva around in their mouth. Then, And he's not doing that when he's asleep then he's probably not ready to use it as a comfort if he's sucking his hands for a couple of minutes and drifting off to sleep then he is using it for comfort and you might need to allow his hand to come up to his mouth but I would think it was a bit early that he was self-settling with a hand easily at three months of age so I think it's more the developmental awareness that he's got of bringing his hands up to his mouth. Okay, Megan, I think the conclusion from that is... Don't unwrap him. Don't unwrap him. <laughs> don't unwrap him just yet. Yeah, she was trying it's to come to a, a kind way, but she's
0: just saying no. no. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kindling Helpline with Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue. She tells it as she sees it. Yeah. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Sum it up? <laughs> <laughs> Here on Helpline, Chris takes your questions uh, for everything, from yeah. <laughs> new babies sucking their um, hands. hands to toddlers, to sibling rivalry anything that you may have challenges with she comes in every week on a Monday and will answer your questions so you can um, write your questions on Facebook if you're watching us there through Facebook live if you'd like you can call us on one kids radio or you can email us through the week at conversation at kindling.com.au mm-hmm. Our next question is from Martin. He has a five-month-old son named Teddy. He breastfeeds several times during the night and co-sleeps when my wife is at home during the week. Three days per week, she works overnight and I bottle feed Teddy. During those nights, it seems as though he strongly resists feeding from the bottle for the first several hours, usually after the fourth or fifth waking at one and a half hour increments. Ouch. He finally accepts the bottle. Is there any way to bypass this period of resistance? I'm desperate to get a few... continuous hours of sleep. Thank you so much for your thoughtful and helpful programme. Okay,
1: you're Martin. Welcome, Martin. I suspect the problem is more that Teddy is associating sucking at the breast with going to sleep because he's a co-sleeper and that's why you're going getting the resistance from the bottle, because it's not as comforting and it's not as nurturing. And I don't think that there's an easy answer to this other than, you know, you both sitting down and considering the big picture and whether you want him to continue to co-sleep with you. If you want him to continue to co-sleep with he, with you, Um, then it's about how to resettle him. So cuddling him in, patting him. He is five months old, so he should be able to go a six or an eight hour stretch without needing feeding. So that will give you some comfort, but that is about being resettled and understanding he doesn't need that feed. So I think this is a discussion for your wife and yourself to sit down and think about um, the overall effect On on both of you, not just the three nights that she's doing the night duty. So I think you need to work out that he is five months old, it's reasonable for one feed overnight, that that reasonable window is somewhere after six to eight hours of going to bed, so somewhere you know, like between one and three, and that the, the period of time before that is about resettling and comforting, whether that's in bed with you as a co sleeper or whether that's in his cot if that's where you want to go. But it sounds like you're happy to co-sleep it's just the fact that he won't take the bottle so I would probably work with your wife over a few nights in not feeding him because he wants it but giving him comfort and that allows that development of the long engagement of the sleep and that's going to help you out because I think if he slept for six hours and then you offered a bottle he'd probably take it because he was actually hungry and he wouldn't be looking for the comfort so it's a little bit complex but i think he could see the message on he needs to learn to do it and you both need to be on the same page to be doing it because if he's going to get a bottle three nights and four nights of the week he gets the breast whenever he likes then it's always going to be difficult to give him the bottle
0: right well good luck with that martin <laughs> yeah. sounds like you're gonna <laughs> need it Ouch. Um we have a question from eleni yep. she says do you have any general tips for starting my 16 month old at daycare
1: um, I do have a pattern of, of slowly getting them into daycare if you have the time. So if you have the time, I like to start them two or three weeks before you go back to work in the full time, whatever that is, whether it's two, two days or five days. And what I do is I start with dropping them off outside of their sleep, sleep time. So, um, he's 16 months old. So we'll assume that he's on one he. Uh,
0: Yeah, it doesn't say
1: uh, that the baby's on one sleep. So you might go at nine o'clock in the morning and leave him for a couple of hours and then come and get him and then take him home and put him to bed. And you do that for the first week. The second week, I give them a really short day so they don't get overwhelmed with all the kids there all the time. So you might drop him off at 10 o'clock, but you might pick him up at 3 o'clock. And they've had a go at putting him down for his sleep because that's the biggest adjustment for the um, little ones to accept. And then the third week, I mimic your working week. So if you need to drop him off at 7, you drop him off at 7 and you pick him up at whatever, 5, four, thirty, five, And that way you can see what's happening around him in his day. So is he all in one big room and there's lots of carers and there's lots of kids and does he get overwhelmed or do you drop off into his room and, you know, it's nice and quiet and calm or is he the only person left at 5 o'clock so, you know, he's getting loads of attention. Um, so it allows you to sort of get a, a feel for what's going on in the daycare, so after that, um, then he should transition really easily into his um, days that you've set. It's a she just now. She, sorry, in.
0: but it's also uh, she will be going two days a week. Two days a days week. week.
1: Yeah. So most of the time, she's going to be have your, you know, your normal routine. So if you've got time to grade her in, they do really, really well.
0: Yep. Okay. Good luck, Eleni and um, yes. Make sure you have someone to talk to after you drop them off for the first time. That's just my advice. Erin uh, has <laughs> <laughs> and Erin has an almost four-year-old. Hi, ladies. My three almost four-year-old boy is driving me crazy. <laughs> when do they usually grow out of that stage where they fight with you over everything? Mm-hmm. Literally, from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed, he argues about everything and ends and ends up doing eating. Everything I asked him to do in the first place, how can I try and avoid the argument that I know is going to happen?
1: Okay, so this period of time um, is all about communicating. Him communicating to you, you communicating to him. He's got a lot more language generally by this stage. Boys are very physical at this stage. They need to run, 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 and then occasionally run, jump, (laughs) climb. If you keep him actively going, he's much better. So that's the physical sense of the boy. The other part of it is the communication part. And usually what we find is they're trying to make decisions. We're trying to get him to do something. It's all about time and patience. And I know that people will say that to you, but it really literally in this age group is all about time and patience. Don't give choice unless you're ready to play the game. So if you need him to be, you know, uh, if you need him to eat breakfast, you need breakfast ready and sitting down and sitting down with him and eating breakfast. If you say to him, Do you want eggs or wheat bix you have to be prepared that at one point he's going to want the eggs and the next point he's going to want the wheat bix So I only give choice when we've got time to give choice. And I also give him a lot of warning before things happen. So we're going to go to the parking 10 minutes. Can you find me a pair of shoes? So I don't care what shoes he puts on. But the fact that he went and got shoes and bought back and bought them back, then I'm really happy that he's followed that. So sometimes we give um, too many commands, and we give them open-ended um, questions like, "Do you do you want to go to the park?" Will always be a yes or a no. So you got to you got to talk to them differently, and you got to be much slower with them. And generally, they calm down. But your answer is to when he's going to grow out of it. I don't know. 24, 25. <laughs> don't say home. that. I don't want to hear that. I actually but <laughs> this, is, this is our job. Our job is to, you know, help him negotiate decision-making and, ho- and letting him sometimes fail and then be there to build him back up again. And that's really hard work and it's mm-hmm. really constant. And it's a very big change from, say, a two-year-old who you can lead a little bit more. So it might be also this is your first experience of a three- to four-year-old and, and I think if you can sit back and sometimes reflect about where they're at and why they've pushed your buttons all day, it really helps you to get around why the behaviour is happening, no matter what it is, whether he's thrown food on the floor or won't get in the bath for you. So take things slower, get down on his level, communicate what you want. And only give choice if you've got time to play the game.
0: Well, Erin says, you've hit the nail on the head. We are both so much like each other too. And we both have no patience.
1: (laughs) At least you can laugh at it, Erin. Absolutely. It's you can see these things. You know how it's going to be when he grows up.
0: (laughs) Good luck with that. Good luck. Uh, This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Here on Kindling Helpline, Chris takes your questions about everything from settling to three-slash-four-year-olds who do your head-in, <laughs> uh, all sorts of things. But she can give you some guidance, help you see it from their perspective, and give you some tips on how you might tweak what you're already mm. doing to make life a bit easier. easier. Um, if you're listening live, you can call in to 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Um, you may be watching us on Facebook. You can pop a question below that. And during the week, the best bet is to email us at conversation at kindling.com.au Our next question comes from Rachel. Hi, ladies. You're the best. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you. Much. You can Please always ask there. a question. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to ask a qu- answer a question. My 18-month-old only wants mum and will only be soothed by mum and is waking hysterical during the night, sometimes once, sometimes twice. Will sleep one to two and a half hours during the day, one yep. sleep, shorter at daycare. Up no later than 2.30 p.m. for a 7.30 p.m. bedtime yeah. or 2.00 p.m. for a 7.00 p.m. bedtime. I am her preferred human always, and she seeks a lot of comfort from me. It has been going on for months, pregnant with twins and needs oh, some sleep. Rachel.
1: She needs some tips as well, help, what yes. to do. Yes, you can come back with the twin question. Um So I... Uh, just looking at the face of it, um I would give her five and a half hours from when she wakes to when she wants to go to bed, and you might find that a little bit easier, so that's one part of it, so maybe up by two to get her down by seven thirty might might help, and you can put her to bed earlier, so she's still getting an hour and a half sleep, you can put her to bed at twelve thirty and get her up at two and then put her down at seven thirty. That might help in the general. And the other part of it is that the waking hysterical during the night could be night terrors or nightmares, probably more commonly night terrors than nightmares. Um, And that part of it is about time and patience and reassurance and that they will go back to sleep. So it depends what she's waking for in the middle of the night. So does she wake and when you come in the door, she stops crying and then says, Bottle. So, that's just her waking because she's had too much sleep in the day. So, moving that time frame might help that. Um, or is she sort of hysterical and unaware that you're in the room? So, there's a couple of different things that could be going on for her with that night waking. Is it intermittent or is it every night? So, if it's every night, it's probably related to the sleep. If it's intermittent, it could be night terrors or nightmares. So, there's a little bit going on for her at night. Generally, though you should, with an 18-month-old, have more nights where she's sleeping well for you than more nights that you're getting up to her. Um, So I suspect let's twig the day and see if that helps her nights, and that might allow you some sleep before those twins come. So um, in terms of the day sleep up by 2 up by 2 up by 2 okay. if she wants it down by 7:30 and it's not changed anything else about the duration or anything no like the that? duration is right for an 18 month old they can have an hour and a half to 2 hours but it means she probably just needs it up by 2 so you need to put it down on the other side okay. of the 2 all so right. I wouldn't cut the sleep out or anything like that. I just put her down to bed a little bit earlier.
0: All right. Well, thanks for the question, Rachel. And as Chris said, please come back to us if you have yeah. any questions about the twins. Yeah. That is um, one of Chris's areas of expertise. expertise. She's chased all around Sydney by women <laughs> who have multiple children, multiple births. Yes. Our next question comes from Paula. Hi, ladies. My twenty-two-month-old sleeps from seven pm till five or six am. Yep. If I put her down later, she still wakes early. Yes. She naps from one until three. Yep. If I ca- cut her nap short, she's grumpy. What can I do to make her sleep a bit longer, if anything? Shall I move her nap to twelve noon to two pm?
1: Yes. You're oh, right. You know what you're doing. For. Yeah, it's the same answer as the one before. She's she needs at least five and a half hours from when she wakes up, and if she's getting up at three, what's happening is she's a really you know good little baby and she's going down at seven really well but by five in the morning she's just had a lot of sleep between one o'clock in the afternoon and five in the morning and so I think if you move it forward um, so if you put her down say at twelve thirty and get her up at two and just move it forward slowly, then, and put it down at seven thirty. She pretty much will sleep till six in the morning. So you just got to twig yours just a little tiny bit. So and down, you can put it down at twelve and get her up at two. But I wouldn't put it down till seven thirty, and I think it will sort itself out really quickly. What a lovely bit of advice to get when (laughs) you're (laughs) dealing
0: with something like that. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. We do have time for just one more question. Perfect. You can always email us during the week if you'd like us to consider it for next week. The email is conversation at kindling.com.au. Mary Ann has a three and a half year old and she asks, do you have any tips on disciplining a three and a Mm. half year old? Ah. (laughs) I find it very hard to get her to do anything I ask. She is so clever, so articulate, and so argumentative. (laughs) I find I'm always getting into a debate about everything I ask her to do. (laughs) This is extremely exhausting and tries my patience to no end. I find I can't get anything done, especially with my other daughter, because I'm always arguing with her about some mundane task.
1: Oh, I think it's a a tough one because discipline in itself – can be really difficult because it's such an emotional thing that each parent will do it slightly different. But I have sort of four categories that I put discipline into in various forms. There are some behaviours you just have to ignore. So if she's constantly at you and not listening, you've got to start ignoring it. But the two that you use mainly is removal or distraction. And distraction would be your best one. So if you know she's going to fight about putting shoes on, you need to put the shoes on Either when she's in the car, she's strapped in, so you can put the shoes on. (laughs) Put them in your bag, so don't worry about it. That's the ignoring. I'm not going to worry about this. Shoes is the last thing I'm going to worry about. And um, removal, which is if she's throwing the shoes, I'm just going to go and get the shoes and remove them. What I think happens with three-and-a-half-year-olds just generally, especially articulate ones who like to walk behind you and talk at the same time, is they're busy talking and they're not listening. And then what we do is exactly the same thing. We start talking to them, giving them a really long and gated reason for why you're not going to do something. And they've already switched off and turned off. So sometimes in this case, you need to keep it short and sharp and you need to keep the language to a minimum. So don't go on and on and on about why she needs to put her shoes on. Just say, you need to put your shoes on, we're getting in the car. If she doesn't put her shoes on, pick her shoes up, put them in a bag and go to the car. So you got to choose what you're going to fight about so that the things that you fight about that you really think are important that you can stick with and stick at. So, you know, hitting her sister, I'd stick at that. I'd be disciplining the hitting, not necessarily at a sister. I'm I'm disciplining the action. And then I'm sitting back and reflecting why she might have done that. Is she getting enough time from me? Is she getting enough attention from me? Am I rushing her too much? You know, is my expectation of a three and a half year old just a little bit too much, especially if there's another younger one in the family? So ignore some behaviours. Remove either her or it, depending on what's been thrown and who's doing what to whom. Distract is the best one. So if you know she's difficult to put clothes on in the morning, don't argue with her. As soon as she gets out of bed, put her clothes on. There you go. Ended the argument. You haven't even had the argument. So your perception of her is much better because you're not arguing with her as much. So you keep thinking, oh, she's not doing bad today. But actually, (laughs) the two of you aren't engaging in that same way. So think about a little bit. Think about the things that matter. And for me, the things that matter that I would drive home are things like that are family values, you know, that you don't hit, you don't kick and you don't run away from mum because it's dangerous. Or social behaviours, you know, those social things that you'd like to instill in her. That's probably what's more about driving home those things. And other things, we've got to give them a little break because we're constantly at each other. And she's constantly back. And sometimes you need to you need to just say, I'm not listening to you. We need to take a break. So you sit there for five minutes and mummy will sit here for five minutes and we'll re-engage in it. But it can be difficult. It can be really difficult when they're constantly talking to you. And I think sometimes we have to sit back and we just have to reflect why that might be happening. Well,
0: Marianne, I hope that <laughs> helps you. Um, feel free to Email us again if um, you need more help. And thanks to everyone who wrote in and asked their questions for Chris. If we didn't get to your question, you can always find Chris's advice um, for any of the tricky situations you might be facing on our website under Kindling Helpline. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And you can get in touch with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at Kindling Helpline was brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams. When your little one needs to be brave, Emla is there to ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests. And of course, use only as directed. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.